Hi there. I'd love to have my voice used on the air. Dollamore, you are a big fucking jackass. You are an anti-American, sick son of a bitch liberal. I hope you fucking drop dead. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 670 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by my faithful co-host, the lovely, talented, and scholarly Brittany Page. So before we get into all of this terror and madness to incite the unhinged to continue to send us hate messages and hate voicemails uh, and hate voice memos. What a, what a time to be alive, Brittany Page. Uh, let's talk about... <laughs> This tweet that I saw, and I really loved it, and I loved the discussion that followed, and I saw that you responded to it as well, and it was from Andrew Whitehead, who I believe is a an assistant professor of sociology. Oh, I'm sorry, associate professor of sociology. All right. And he tweeted, any other men out there criers? Oh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know who that guy was. I just replied to a tweet i've got buddies who feel things deeply but haven't shed a tear since they were eight years old not me i shed the tears something so fulfilling about having a good cry and i like how this started off with a question right any other men out there criers and in the in the twitter thread a discussion took place where some men were like yeah i cry more you know ever since i had kids that really softened my heart uh no i'm pretty stoic i never saw my dad cry uh, just a discussion yeah, sure. taking place about what it is to express emotion for men in that way by shedding tears. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I think the audience well knows I'm, I'm on the crier side of that. Uh, if there's, if it's a, if it's a dichotomy between two sides of criers and non-criers, I'm a crier. Mm-hmm. Unapologetically so. Mm-hmm. Unabashed crier. Yeah. And I think the audience knows that pretty well because you, you have cried on this show, sure, right? Yeah. And I think the audience also knows that I am uncomfortable with crying, right? I start getting emotional on the show and then you tell me to lean into the mic and I say, no, edit it out. No. Yeah. Well, you, <laughs> it's because what happens with you is it's not that you stay in your normal position relative to the proximity to your mouth to the microphone. You lean away. You, you're getting out of the action back here. Well, that's that's because the crying quickly turns into sniffling and yeah, yeah, and noises, yeah, bodily be, because noises. Because this is an an audio format, people need to know what's going on. They'll figure it out. They'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> Why is there thirty seconds of complete silence as Brittany goes across the room and yeah. the mic's not picking up what's happening? Mm-hmm. They can just insert their own. <laughs> so why why is it w- with you? Is it because of the? Because uh, I don't think you're ashamed to cry. Is it because of the? And I'm using this word very loosely, the ugliness of crying, like the sounds and the, like it's mouth noises and sniffles. And is it because of that, the unattractiveness of the noises or 
Yeah, I just don't want that in the mic. Like, I feel like it's weird. I start sniffling. It's it's solely because of the noises in time. Right. I feel like yeah. that's a strange thing. But no, I I cry all the time. I I cry watching commercials. I cry looking at Popeye sometimes. Like, it's you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. But it's it's different for men because they are socialized to not express emotion i think that is changing and that's why i like this tweet so much is having a man initiate that conversation about like guys are we okay sharing emotion displaying emotion how are we with that and uh, maybe undoing a little bit of that programming a little bit i think is important yeah i think it's also well well i hope that it is changing in the larger the broader context of of maleness you know the traditional kind of uh the way we look at or have looked at in the past masculinity i hope that it's changing mm-hmm. i don't know though if it's just this certain microcosm of of the twitter that happens to show up in one another's feeds mm-hmm. if it's just that i don't know mm-hmm. because i still catch flack um in messages and shit about crying because mm-hmm. i'm open about it. i i've posted about it on facebook i've you know cried on the show mm-hmm. and for the most part our audience is super supportive of, of expression of emotion, even for me. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't know if it's, I, I, as, as much as I hope that it is changing, I don't know if it's actually changing or just we've curated our Twitter feeds mm-hmm. with people who are decent, empathetic, loving, emotionally open and uh, generous people. Yeah, for sure. And I also appreciated that when Andrew Whitehead responded to men that responded to him and said, yeah, I don't cry. I'm more stoic. And I, I, you know, that's not who I am, that he didn't shame them or tell them that there was anything wrong with that. You know, he said, I appreciate the stoics as well. And it was very affirming. It wasn't like shaming them, right? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of along the same lines of the conversation about being extroverted or introverted. Mm-hmm. Neither one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, though, in our society, introverts get a bad rap. Like, there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Not the fuck at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very happy that I'm an extrovert, but just as happy <laughs> as they would be. Very comfortable in their skin being introverted. Well, and just like anything else, any other quality, there's ways in which that it serves you and maybe ways in which that it doesn't serve you as well. Yeah. And sometimes the balance tips to one side or the other and people realize they want to change something about themselves because that quality is no longer serving them. And I think sometimes the emotional displays can fit into that picture, right? Where if you're kind of shutting out those emotions, you may start to notice that it's interfering with your life in some ways, right? Hmm, yeah. But if it inter- isn't interfering with your life, then who cares? Yeah. Yeah. That's Do you? A, it's always... A, I, I, I like talking about it. In fact, I like talking about it publicly like this because I think there are people out there who... Would be criers, but for the fact that it's not "quote unquote" socially acceptable. Right. People who would express emotion the way I do, right, right. If not for the fact that ugh, they're uncomfortable with it, mm-hmm. they 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 choke the tears down. They they you know swallow hard against that lump in their throat. Yeah. And if we can be a conduit toward, or uh, you know, in the purpose of 
loosening those people up and having them embrace those emotions, then fucking right on. Yeah, if because, it would be beneficial. Yeah, for them. if you're not, yeah. if you're comfortable with your your non emotionality, right. or your expression of it, yeah, then fucking great. That's great for you. But if you're if if it's an if it's a an uncomfortability thing, mm-hmm. then fuck the world, man. <laughs> oh, FTW. Wow. Or is that for the win? Uh, I think it can mean any number of things. Yeah, it sure can. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, it, it's kind of in line with with because for me, I think it's, and I don't want to like you know, s my own d here with the 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 deep empathy, but I think it's because I'm a pretty empathetic character, and that's why I cry. And it's it, it leads it's bleeding into kind of the topic we're talking about right now. Because mm-hmm. um, today is going to be about Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Today is going to be about the. The, the allegations that have been made against him. We've got a bunch of voicemails to play. And I'm, I'm sympathetic and empathetic to Tara Reid and, you know, and to Joe Biden, because as much as, as it stands na- now with the landscape of allegations against him, as it stands now, I tend to believe her mm-hmm. a- as of this very moment. Mm-hmm. However, there have been chinks in the armor. Over the last 24, 48 hours that make me think, ah, if, if new evidence keeps coming out that rebut her claims, I could see myself flipping to the other side. Cause as I've said before, I don't want to believe that he's a rapist. I don't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. But as it stands, mm, I, I just have a hard time saying that she's a liar. It's getting easier with some of the shit we're hearing. But I'm, it's, it's not an easy decision. And it's because of my empathy for her and, you know, everybody that leads me to some of these, um, choices on, on what I believe. How dare you be so metered and measured in <laughs> well, that response? Let me tell How you. How dare you, sir? We've gotten a lot of pushback and hatred and, um, messages and posts. Uh, some are, um, not metered, not reasonable. <laughs> That's an understatement. Very much pointing fingers. Very much sometimes inexplicable. Not really even understanding what they're saying. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's been it's been quite the journey, and I. Several things have been frustrating me. Right, it's been truly remarkable to watch so many liberals suddenly become like Donna Ratuno. Right. Who is Harvey Weinstein's lawyer, the clip of which we played. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein's defense attorney. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they're using the same exact. No, oh, I've never been sexually assaulted because I'd never put myself in that position. Yeah. Remember, I mean, I'm just reminding the audience of some of the shit she said. Yeah, and I haven't seen anyone say that. But in terms of like Donna Rotuno heavily focused on the fact that the women that Harvey Weinstein sexually assaulted would, after the sexual assault, send him positive messages or still interact with him in a positive way or say positive things about him. And she used that against his victims to paint a picture of them as having ulterior motives, um, thus trying to give weight to um, what she wanted to argue, which was that they were making a false allegation, right? And I've seen a lot of that. People are using a statement that Tara Reid tweeted in 2017, praising Joe Biden, yeah. um, saying something positive about him, as though that is evidence that 
she's lying. People are pointing to a blog that she wrote about her admiration for Vladimir Putin. Let me, let me tell you something. As evidence that she's lying. Do, do I think that she's a dumb shit? Yes, I do. Do I think she holds bizarre, pernicious political views? Yeah, I do. But you know what? People who are dumb shits still get raped. They're not immune from abuse. That's not an argument. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Just, just in case, as we get started here. I appreciate that. <laughs> and the other thing that I'm seeing a lot that's really bothering me is liberals who stood for mm-hmm. uh, Blasey Ford. Mm-hmm. Is it Christine, Christine Blasey Ford in, mm-hmm. the, in the Kavanaugh hearings? Yeah. Using the same arguments that Trump people get, like, why? Well, why is she not? Why did she not come forward earlier? Mm-hmm. Why is this all now just coming out? Mm-hmm. That The argument doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You don't get to battle against that particular argument when one of your people is up there and then all of a sudden when one of your people gets accused you turn around and use the same stupid 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 fucking stupid argument you don't get to you know what we call that hypocrisy that's what we call that and by we i mean me (laughs) well and i i've been having a lot of internal rage about all this and a lot of it stems from like there's you you can interrogate the claims, right? Yes, no we one should. is no one is saying that it shouldn't be investigated. In fact, we're both saying it should be investigated, right? But we're also saying some of these arguments don't at all play a role in what should count as evidence or not, right? That, that's right. Like her views on Russia aren't evidence one way or the other of of the veracity of the the claim. Right. And I it's just confusing to watch, you know, and Specifically related to, like, the time that it took her to come out, why now, the fact that years ago she said it was just touching that made her uncomfortable, but now she has shifted to talking about digital penetration, which still counts as touching that makes her uncomfortable, by the way. It's just more specific. Um, It's frustrating, especially being someone who has experienced trauma and... I mean, when I was in seventh grade, detectives showed up at my school to interview me about abuse I had experienced from my dad. And he had already gotten to me before they got there and, and gave me the story to give them. And upon threat on on my being, yeah, uh, I provided that story. And it was a lie. I lied to the detectives because I was afraid. I was afraid of the effect it would have on my family, on my siblings, yeah, uh, on me. I, I didn't know what was going to happen if I did tell the truth. And it was scary. And so I didn't. And very few people know the real story still, right? Yeah. I don't go around telling everybody. It's a select few people that know details of things that have happened in the past. So it's it's weird to see people make these arguments because having gone through trauma... It makes it more understandable for me when people wait a long time yeah. to come out and say things. Or if they give a little bit, right? And then they give more detail later on. Like, uh, those things make sense to me, right? Yeah, yeah, For me, it's just very frustrating that where we are after the Me Too movement and all that th- the shit that went down, that people are still making arguments like, oh, 
they're looking at it through like the lens of of the post me too movement back on 1993 well why didn't she why wasn't she super brave why didn't she come out against a a highly respected united states senator i mean just it doesn't make any fucking sense that people are using that argument applying it back 30 some years ago yeah so so Let's jump into some emails first. And I know that we have a lot of voicemails to play. And I know that you were very careful about how you wanted to play the voicemails and the feedback here because we're just going to play them alphabetically, right? That's because right. we don't want people to think we're playing them in a certain way to create some sort of narrative. It's just going to be alphabetical order. That's right. Yeah. So uh, I also, because I just want to get to the voicemails. Um, and play them all like in order. So let's start with the emails. We'll read three emails and then we'll go through and, and hit these voicemails and, and talk about them. As always, we like to amplify your points of view. We like to amplify your questions. That's part of what I think makes this show the special thing that it is that we, we're giving our audience a chance to have some airtime. And, um, we love you guys and appreciate everybody who called in all of the messages. It's it's important. So let's start with some emails. This person is going to be anonymous because they didn't put their name in the email. Right. Hey, despite your self-deprecating comments about losing listenership due to this episode, they're referring to 668, I personally have found this to be one of my favorites. Do you think President Trump will be the last politician to face sexual assault allegations while running for office and still come out relatively unscathed? Or is it possible Biden could have that same bulletproof status as Trump? On your other comment about the Project Room Key, is setting up people experiencing homelessness with hotel accommodations creating a false sense of hope among this population knowing these accommodations are temporary? Or is this doing more good by giving them a reprieval from their ordinary circumstances? On a slightly different topic, I saw a comment on Facebook the other day that really spoke some truth to the status of America. Quote, America is just a third world country with a Gucci belt. Keep up the good work and stay safe. Let me let me speak to the room key thing um, briefly. And that I don't believe it's given anybody a false sense of security because not only do we know that it's a temporary a patch on a situation, so do the people who are in the rooms. They right. also know. So it's, I mean, listen, what do we do? Because it's temporary, not let them stay in the rooms. Oh, sorry, it's only going to be for a month or two weeks. So, so you got to stay on the street. And I don't think that's what the emailer is saying. Right. But you, look, any reprieve when you're in a desperate situation is a godsend. Yes. So I would agree with that. And or a Gavin Newsom send in this case. That <laughs> that would be correct. And yeah, I mean, they know, right? They know that it's temporary. And I'm sure that they are thankful that at least in the short term, they do have that temporary relief. Yeah. Yeah. And then to the to the other thing about the Joe Biden stuff. Listen. I always know in the back of my mind that Democrats are no smarter. They're not less susceptible to logical fallacies and stupid thinking than Republicans. Certainly not. But I'm I'm very disappointed. I'm very disappointed with how much grouping there's been. That we're look, even with the we're gonna play a clip from Chris Hayes later in the show, and he talks about the fire Chris Hayes trending hashtag. It's, it's crazy to it me. It is. Listen, that means that for Democrats, we're one fucking step away from 
the press, the journalists are the enemy of the people. Fire this journalist who's asking valid questions about a real fucking thing. Oh, fire him. Well, that's why they wanted to fire him is because he covered the Tara Reid right. story. And exactly. they were unhappy with the way that he approached the topic. And so they it, it was trending. Yeah. How are they better than Donald Trump? How the fuck are they any different? Those people who use that hashtag to try to get Chris Hayes fired. They're not. The answer is they're not. Yeah. And I... I know that there's going to be people listening to this that are feeling pissed off because maybe they were in that camp of fire Chris Hayes. But uh, honestly, this is really important, right? That we kind of slow this down, that we not get caught up in this political bias and that we try to remain grounded. I know that the prospect of another four years of Donald Trump is terrifying, but that doesn't mean that we delude ourselves into not talking about reality or not not paying attention to reality, right? We can't put our heads in the sand because we're dealing with this this unfortunate situation, right, where the Democratic nominee is not an ideal candidate or person yeah. to, to be holding that office. But it's still important to accept reality, and it's going to be tough to wrestle with, but we don't want to get rid of people that are causing us to have cognitive dissonance and encouraging us to be better thinkers, you know? Also better people. Listen, how are, how are you any different? Now, now, I'm not making an accusation out there, but how are we any different if we put our heads in the sand like Republicans do about the plethora of accusations against Donald Trump? Those Republicans that you're like, fuck you, your guy did this, and you're not, you're ignoring it. How are we any different if we ignore one when it comes against our guy, quote unquote? We're not. And we should strive to be better. We should strive to be different. We should strive to be more noble. Anyway, thanks, Anonymous, for the email. We, we appreciate it. So this next one is from Josh. Hey, guys, I'm watching the Morning Joe interview with Joe Biden regarding Tara Reid's sexual assault allegation and am, for a lack of a better word, fascinated by this development. My perception of these types of allegations is the accused and factually guilty will typically use dodgy or noncommittal language when pressed using statements such as I don't recall over and over, for example. I refer to a Brett Kavanaugh Senate hearing as the most obvious recent example with the caveat that he hasn't been proven guilty. Biden seems to me genuinely dumbfounded and confused by these allegations and took the step of categorically denying them, going so far as to say they simply aren't true. I'm wondering what your reaction to the interview is, particularly Mika Brzezinski's hang up on the University of Delaware files, which I'm confused about the logistics of or what that is even about. While he does seem to be strongly leaning on the fact that no one in his circle is aware of the allegations, I guess for now I find myself inclined to believe him, as he must obviously be aware of the consequences he'd likely face if he were found to have lied so sternly, plus his categorical and frank denial. Unless I guess his campaign has figured out that the allegation absolutely cannot be traced back to him, so he is safe to deny it. Thanks, Josh. Ah... Yeah, there's a lot there. Well, one, I want to I want to talk about the University of Delaware documents because Joe Biden right now is asking for a full, transparent search of the National Archives, which would show any personnel um, disputes or complaints or HR kind of you know uh, documents. 
but there are there is this trove of documents, mm-hmm. like eighteen hundred boxes or something of documents related to uh, to um, Joe Biden's time in the Senate. Yeah, he donated an archive which covers the period of 1973 to 2009, and he donated that in 2011 to the University of Delaware. And according to the Washington Post, the university's stated policy was that the papers would remain sealed to the public, quote, for two years after he retires from public office. However, and this is according to Business Insider, on the day before Biden launched his campaign, the policy on the library's website was updated to say the records will remain closed until the later of either December 31st, 2019, or when Biden retires from public life. The university did not define public life. Yeah. So. So they. So, I mean, look, we'll just boil it down. They were scheduled to already be released. And then they changed their minds about what they had previously stated as a policy, and they're going to keep them secret. So during his denial, he did say that these records, the archive that was provided to the University of Delaware, they are not personnel files. They're things like his writings, his correspondence with President Obama, Hillary Clinton, things like that. And we'll we'll play it, but Mika presses him on whether or not he's going to allow these to be released for the public, right? Or for journalists to comb through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's evasive on that point, right? Saying that they're not personnel files, that they wouldn't contain anything relevant. Um, I understand why he would be hesitant to release them, right? If they contain private conversations about things that, like, he doesn't want to be asked about right now. Yeah, but they're already scheduled to be released, so it's not... There's not, like... If there was crazy damaging things in there, he wouldn't want them released at all, even if he's not in public life, but just alive still. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to damage his legacy and his reputation. Well, so if they were already, if they're okay to release then, but not now, why not? Well, and an interesting thing, too, is that the campaign is also curious about what's in the boxes, and they have been dispatching people um, on at least one occasion to go through them. Hmm. So... Uh, since the library closed due to coronavirus in mid-March, no one from the campaign has has visited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so anyway, that we're going to get there and we'll talk about that more. But we wanted to explain what is going on with when you hear about the documents at the University of Delaware. Right. And I, I want to address Josh's point about the um, the denial. Right. Donald Trump has denied things endlessly as well. Been, All of the 40 plus women who've come been forward. Been very frank about yeah. it. He he doesn't equivocate. I mean, he has equivocated at times, right? And said he doesn't recall and things like that, but he also has issued straightforward denials and and I, surrogates have straight up called them liars. Right. The women. And I'm not sure if Josh felt the same way when he heard those moments as he did when he heard joe biden yeah. speak that way well listen working from the presumption well just for the, the sake of the conversation here that joe biden did it what would you think he would admit it like oh yeah yeah that fucking happened yep all right vote for joe biden no of course he's gonna deny it of course his surrogates are gonna deny it of course his campaign is gonna deny it that's what happens when you get accused of something horrific. Harvey Weinstein was denying the allegations. He's still denying it. Up into, I mean, yeah, he's still denying it, even during his sentencing. I mean, there at no point was he admitting that he did anything wrong. Yeah, denial for me is, it's like, who cares? It, it's not even at issue, because of course he's going to deny. 
Anyway, thanks for the email, Josh. We appreciate it very much. I think we have one more before we get to the voicemails. This one is from Mary. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. These are a few of my thoughts on the Joe Biden rape allegation that you discussed in episode 668 in no no particular order. Number one, my candidate was Elizabeth Warren, and I am holding out hope she is the VP pick or alternatively that he picks Stacey Abrams. Number two. I wish this allegation was not true, but I am firmly in the believe women camp. So I accept what Ms. Reed is saying is truth until proven otherwise. This is not okay behavior from anyone of any party. Three, we cannot survive four more years of Donald Trump full stop. The loss of lives, freedom, environmental protections, even the very fragile idea of our country as a democracy is a democracy is at stake. So I will be voting for Biden and encouraging everyone I know to do the same. So I think Mary that I'm reading the numbers incorrectly because it went one, one, two, three, three. I was trying to fix it for you, but now I'm, now I think you did it on purpose yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for a specific right. reason. It's okay. I messed go. everything up. Mary. No, I'm sorry. Read the, the text is what's most important. Not oh. the numbers. I think. Okay. All right. <laughs> Joe Biden has done some good in his life and career. Not that this excuses any behavior. It does not. It is also true. I now have some better understanding of the single mindedness of Republicans who for decades have voted for questionable candidates in order to ensure their ability to select judges to shape the future of the country. I am being pragmatic as fuck in saying that we need a Democratic president to select RBG's replacement and whoever is the next one to retire after her. That we need to fill circuit court positions with forward-thinking judges who will decide case law for years to come. That we need a Democrat to ensure we enact policies ASAP so we even have a habitable world in the future. All that being said, to get the above underway, allegedly rapey Joe is what we have to work with. I hate that so much, and also the survival of our country and many of our fellow citizens depends on him being elected. Thank you for moving the conversation forward. And of course, Brittany is the best part. Mary from Moreno Valley. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. There's a lot there. And I'm, I'm, I mean, she's, she's saying similar things to what I'm saying about the importance of getting rid of Donald Trump because of not the potential for damage, but the absolute irreconcilable damage that will be done to our nation for generations to come. Because of the judiciary, because of the systematic packing of on the bench of people who are, one, not even considered qualified by the American Bar Association. They are considered unqualified for the bench, but also because of the decisions that will be made, whether it be uh, immigration decisions, whether it be abortion decisions, whether it be gay rights and trans rights uh, decisions. Real, real world damage is going to be done if Donald Trump is reelected that won't be done if Joe Biden, even if he is a rapist, that, that will be done with him. So uh, good points. I appreciate it. Uh, let's start with some of these voicemails. Again, these voicemails are alphabetical. They're not chronological. They're just by name. So let's start with Betty in Texas. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. This is Betty from Texas. I'm a Bernie supporter, and I voted for him in the primary. Um, I have listened to both the podcast and the PBS interview of Tara Reid. Um, I just want to say, as Democrats, we have to remember we railed on Trump defending his accusers. We went hard when it came to support of Dr. Ford against uh, Kavanaugh, and the D- DNC even pushed out Al Franken for a goddamn picture. Yet we are asked to ignore Joe Biden's sexual assault accusations, 
the mainstream media certainly has, and you nailed it, Jesse. Once again, we're being asked to vote between two pieces of shit. The DNC has put us in a position that is basically which of the two sexual predators do you like most? It's ridiculous. Um, I have to say I will not vote for either. Certainly not Trump, but I am not voting for Biden. But what I will do is hopefully I'm going to uh, donate as much as I can to any uh, Democratic nominee out there that is running for Senate and um, for um, Congress and my state and local. I will make sure that I vote blue up and down the ballot when it comes to federal, state, and local seats. But I will not be marking Biden or Trump for 2020. I cannot in good conscience uh, vote for him. It's just I, I there was so much I already hated about Biden, but uh, and I was willing to overlook so much, but this uh, I just can't do it. So that's where I stand with it. I, I wish that it was different. I was actually starting to resign to the fact that uh, Biden it will be. That's who I would vote for, but I, I can't. I cannot. Um, it's not. It's beyond being hypocritical. It's just. Fraud. I want to know where Alyssa Milano uh, is on this because she she was so vocal about all this when it came to the Republican Party, but all of a sudden she says nothing when it comes to this. I I think it's ridiculous. So that's where I sit with that. Um, please stay safe. Um, I wish everybody the best of health. And um, yeah, Brittany is the best part. Love the show. Brittany is the best part. Well, let me. Let me say this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this probably multiple times. I was gonna say I'm only gonna say this one time, but that's just not the way it's gonna work. <laughs> I respect the decision that to not vote. I think it's fucking wrong to not vote for Joe Biden um, because of the fact that you're you're saying that it's too much to overlook. And while I agree it's a fucking terrible thing to overlook, it also means that abortion rights for twenty to thirty to forty years into the future, you're also able to overlook. The tens of thousands of women who will be unable to, in many, many U.S. states, able to, to seek an abortion. It means we have an angry Popeye right now. Well, I think it's because you're angry. <laughs> it also means you're able to overlook, Betty. And listen, I love you. I, I appreciate you very much. Popeye, shut your mouth. I, I appreciate you. But it also means you're able to overlook the, the, the very real threat to the lives of gays and trans Americans who will be abused and systematically boxed out of fundamental civil rights in this country. And those things are huge for me. Those are f- civil rights, human rights. We shouldn't be overlooking those. And, th- and, and by virtue of Donald Trump being reelected and you and many people who are like you, who are, have a good heart, you're, what you're saying isn't like a, like a hateful thing. You're saying, oh, fuck, I don't want to be party to electing someone who has been accused of rape and maybe a rapist. I get it. But there are lar- huge, larger issues at stake. And the world we live in is not a simple one. It is complex. It is nuanced. Well, and I think that's why a lot of people are using the terrible arguments that they're using, right? Going back to the Donna Rotuno conversation. To make it easier on themselves mentally. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a kind of a buffer, right? A protective buffer for themselves mentally so that they feel more comfortable making the decision. And normally I would say, okay, right? Tell yourself what you need to tell yourself in order to get by. But when it starts 
having a negative impact on other people. And make no mistake, when people read these comments where people are saying, well, why didn't she come forward sooner? Well, what about this uh, this character flaw that she has? That means she's not credible, right? When people start diving in deep to criticize things that have no relevance whatsoever on whether or not something is is factual, then other survivors see that and it makes them more likely to hide and to remain silent right not come forward to to let that fear of what people will say about them or how they will be perceived to grow and that's not okay well, if you're taking part in those arguments, you're part of the the browbeating of victims. You, you're part of why people remain in the shadows and quiet rather than trying to to let the light of day be the greatest disinfectant and 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 to to shine a light of justice for them. And, yeah, it's just what it is. You, pe- you're doing that. Yeah, and people might be saying, "Listen, Dix, what is valid then?" Right? Because you're saying. It's okay to interrogate the claims. So then what part of the claim is valid to interrogate? Well, great, the, the, great question. The claim that's is right. what's valid to interrogate, Absolutely. right? So all this stuff that's coming out now about what she did or did not file, right? Because she said she filed a complaint. And she's saying in recent clarifying statements that the complaint does not specifically mention assault or harassment by name. Yeah, so listen, if... There's no complaint that's found. That's going to be a deal for me. It's going to be a big deal for me it, to take away from from the veracity of her of her claims. It just is. Well, and so I'm I'm highlighting just one, right? right but right, again, right. this has to do directly with the claims that were made. Yeah, right. Well, listen, you don't need to go into character assassination. You don't need to go into all of the victim shamey things. Yeah, pointing to a blog she wrote that was praising of of Vladimir P- Putin is almost like. What did you, what were you wearing that night? How much did you have to drink? It's akin to the same line of questioning. Right. It's, it's fucking irrelevant. And it all it goes is to shame the victim into silence. A character attack. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Anyway, Betty, thank you very much. We appreciate your opinion. We value as, you as a listener and, um, moving on. Hey, Brittany, Jesse, it's Chris from Atlanta talking about the Joe Biden thing. Um, yeah, like I said before, the lesser of two evils is still less evil. Um, so, revoltingly enough, we have Biden as a Democratic candidate. Um, he is less rapist. Uh, I don't want to say that. He's less evil, less racist, less disgusting, less vulgar than our current president. So, I guess that's good. But, and I guess that's better than having Trump for four more years. But a quick question, can't the DNC um, remove him? If this all plays out and it's credible and um, like proven to be credible beyond reasonable doubt, etc., rock solid, can they not remove him and uh, put a the second candidate, like go to the convention without a viable candidate and let them decide so that way we can squell the uh, I didn't vote or I didn't pick this guy in the primary type thing? Um, so that way we're not stuck with uh, a, this guy. Anyway, just just kind of curious. Um, it seems like that would be the moral and correct thing to do, which as a progressive and a Democrat, I'd like to think that that is what we choose. And we certainly tout that in the um, platforms uh, often. Anyway, uh, 
just curious about that feedback. Hope all is well. Thanks. So there's the Democratic Party is up against a real shitty wall right now. And they're going to have to, from, from, the, from the perspective of, one, the preservation of actual democracy, do the right thing here. But also from the preservation of uh, the, the optics of it. Like, for instance, there's been, like, I've heard whisperings of trying to get Andrew Cuomo as, as a nominee, like, to replace. And, and if they're going to do something like a brokered convention or some kind of a situation at the convention, uh, they better go with the Bernie Sanders. They better go with a, someone who actually ran for president and actually got delegates in the process. Oh, that's what I'll say about that. As far as the lesser of two evils, again, I could argue against that kind of an attitude, too, even though I kind of believe it. Because it is, and I'm not going to give arguments against it, but it is, this is a complex fucking world we live in. And I, I don't like statements like, I'm just going to vote for the lesser of two evils. Because you're still, you're still voting for evil. You're still taking part in putting someone in there who's not a great guy. If indeed this is all true. Well, and I think about the previous episode that we just did where we discussed the concerns related to upholding the two party system, right? Where this continues to happen. And the caller was concerned about voting for Joe Biden because she didn't want to uphold the system. Didn't yeah. want to reward them for bad behavior, right? And I, I think that that is a fair perspective, like we talked about. So it's important that if you're going to be saying, I don't like this action, but I'm going to take it and I'm frustrated by the system, that you go ahead and vote in November, but you also do more advocacy work yes. that can start changing the climate within the Democratic Party that pushes it further left. Toward progressive ideals. L let me say this for myself and the platform that I'm lucky enough to have through this podcast and YouTube. If it, if we go forward and, and I still believe, uh, what I'm believing at this very moment about Joe Biden and he's elected president, you, you could bet your fucking bottom dollar there, whatever the <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Something happened that, uh, I'm going to be railing against Joe Biden and uh, demanding from whatever little platform I have that he resign and his vice president take over because it's just that important that Donald Trump gets out of there that, yeah, I will elect, I will cast my vote for someone that I'm going to immediately turn around and demand that he resign and allow his vice president to be president because Donald Trump is just that dangerous and volatile for the country. I don't know. I, I again, this is not going to be the end of this. I, I, I would encourage everybody to call in, continuing to talk about this. Now, we want to know what you have to think, what you have to say about what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Moving on. Hi, guys. It's Dan from Oceanside. Just uh, finishing up with your last episode where you're talking about uh, you wanted to hear from people that uh, uh weren't taking the accusation against Biden credibly or 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 with any kind of seriousness. Um I know we talked offline briefly the other day uh and I'm I'm withholding judgment until I I hear some more I've been trying to read you know enough about it been trying to watch some reports. Uh the thing you guys ran was actually super helpful because that was a, a very good dissertation of the whole thing. Um the real problem is we're we're playing this game that has millions of lives at risk. And one team polices their own and the other one does not. 
And I don't know how the team who polices their own can ever possibly win in a winner-takes-all. It doesn't matter what happens. There is no reality. There is no right or wrong. Uh, I mean, how do you combat that? Obviously, the answer is, hey, don't touch women against their their consent. That would be the fix. Uh, but just understanding that, of course what's the playbook for this? Because there's, there is, there isn't one. You have to take this seriously. You have to do what you got to, what you got to do. Do you bring in another candidate? Do you just go Biden's out? Who came in number two? Like, do you roll with this guy? Cause I'm with, I'm with Brittany. I, I will, I will absolutely vote for him, but I'm going to do it absolutely sick to my stomach. And I, I, I was probably that way anyways, but I'm, I'm definitely now. Uh, but for people not to be pragmatic enough to realize that, like, look, just look at this in raw humanity. How many people are likely to die led, led around by Trump, led around by Republican policy? And how, and we're, as we're seeing literally as we speak in the most obvious literal sense possible, there is, this is not a thought experiment, experiment no more. This is, this is what, it, what we're seeing. Uh, so people just checking out, it must be nice to be, rich and white to be able to check out because I assume that's the people who are checking out because other people don't have that benefit. So I'm going to set my stomach unease aside and I'm going to vote for the guy who's not going to try to intentionally fuck people who don't look like me. So sorry, getting a little choked up thinking about it. Anyways, uh, hope you guys are good. Uh, interested to see how this progresses and, and how you guys kind of break this down. Cause I'm honestly having a hard time kind of put it together too. But anyways, hopefully everybody's doing well. I'll uh, look forward to hearing more podcasts. Killing more time. Thanks. Killing more time? Killing the time. What the fuck? Banned from the show. (laughs) Fucking banned. Um, (laughs) I want to say that I love this voice memo because you can hear that Dan is being very thoughtful in his approach to this and that he is struggling through it and he's not taking the easy way out. He's not trying to avoid things that make him uncomfortable or that create confusion within him. And he's really doing the work of grappling with this. Yeah. And that's, that's what we need more of, right? Anyone who approaches this with certainty or tells you exactly what you should be thinking, that's, that's not great, right? We want to avoid that. We want to, we want to have these uncomfortable conversations, try to grapple with difficult topics. And you can hear it in Dan's voice that that's what he's doing. And I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dan, for the call. We appreciate it. Next up is a couple of different voicemails. Uh, Henry from, um, Texas called in, longtime listener of the program. And, uh, he has, you know, it's a weird, I just, I used to say program as a joke, and yeah. now it's like I fucking made it a thing I say. <laughs> it's goddamn dumb. So he's listened to the to the podcast for a long time. And um, we have such great listeners because th- this is a beautiful illustration of someone who is torn up mm-hmm. about what's going on. And he called, and then however long later, I don't know the timestamps on the calls, he called back, and he's hurting over this. He He's torn up over this. Hey guys, this is Henry from Round Rock, Texas. Sorry to make the Zoom call this last weekend, but um want to thank you guys for covering that elephant in the room. Uh, Joe Biden. Uh, it really kind of was one of my favorite episodes to finally get that out in the air and see what you guys' perspective was on it. 
I've been holding off on calling and leaving a message. Um, kind of started with the Joe Rogan comments. I'm not a <clears throat> fan or follower of him, um, but what he does say uh, kind of speaks to a lot of other people that we're never going to be able to convince, but he is. Um, you know, first, if you hear Joe Biden speak, um, he cannot pull words properly together, which is a big problem. And other people are going to see that, and we can't really have that in our party um, as, you know, the representative for what we, what our values are. He's going to get demolished. But this other thing with Tara Reid is even a bigger problem because we put ourselves out there as a party of values, uh, believe women, and when we give that up, then what is there left? I'm not saying that I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden, but what we need to understand is that other people of our ilk are going to have a hard time making that decision. They're going to vote down ballot for Democrats. But we gave up the presidency because we didn't have the right mindset about, you know, strategy. Um, so it's sad, and I think we just need to put our heads down, do our work. If we can pull ourselves toward voting for the other rapist, the, the less rapier person, that's what we got to do. It's a sad state of affairs. But the struggle continues, and I'll probably not be a Democrat after this. Uh, but I will vote democratically. I'm going to vote progressively. Um, so we need to change our politics in America, and this is probably the saddest thing that you know we have to do in this time. We had a great candidate, Warren Bernie. Um, we didn't do it, and we got to do our work. But Trump is probably going to get reelected because of this mess. Love you guys. You can hear it in his voice for sure. The stress, yeah. So I just looked while while Henry was talking, and uh, it was about an hour later hmm. that we got this voicemail. Hey guys, this is Henry from Ramrath again. Um, in the time that I left the first message. Uh, some more bullshit came out about our buddy Joe that he's probably actually truly a rapist now. Um, anyways, I uh, thought I'd just clarify why I probably won't be a Democrat anymore. And that is because we really need to um, kind of understand, um, together what, what is it that we stand for? Do we stand for a party? Or do we stand for ethics? And I think that's why we're all having the tough time with all this mess. Um, that being said, um, as far as the stress that this is introducing into our life, I think we need to let some of that go uh, health-wise. And, uh, I mean, as far as door knocking, uh, I would have door knocked uh, every weekend, and one day during the week for uh, Bernie or Warren, I need somebody to knock on my door and convince me why I need to vote 
for Biden because uh, it's on them. Uh, the Democratic Party has chosen their their representative, and I need to be convinced at this point. Um, without using the word Donald Trump or uh, uh, incumbent president, <laughs> uh, what what is it that I'm getting out of uh, vote for Joe Biden? Whether I do that or not, that's my own decision, but um, it's getting worse as the minutes roll on, apparently. Love y'all guys. Take care. So I think what Henry was referring to there when he talked about the new information that came out in between the the, the two calls. The there, first call and the second call, yeah. Right, is that a neighbor came forward, a former neighbor of Tara Reid came forward with her story corroborating the claims that Tara Reid has made against Joe Biden. Which is almost contemporaneous. It was only a, like a couple years later that she recounts Tara Reid telling her the story. Yeah, she says she didn't really know Joe Biden at the time, but Tara Reid was tearful as she told the story about how he pushed her up against a wall, put his hand up her skirt, and put his fingers inside her. And that was in 95 or 96, according to the neighbor. Um, and this neighbor is also, quote, a very strong Democrat, and she is supporting Joe Biden during the election. Yeah. But she says that she remembers talking to her about it because it's not really something that you forget. Sure. So also keep in mind that Joe Biden in 95, 96, that would have been a, like a year before I started working up there on the Hill. Um, Joe Biden was just a Senator from Delaware. He wasn't the vice president of the United States. So someone from California, which would have been the neighbor wouldn't have necessarily, unless they're super ensconced in politics known the senator from Delaware, who would have been maybe the junior senator at the time. Well, and I just want to remind people again, going back to Christine Blasey Ford, that part of what the media was doing when Christine Blasey Ford came forward was looking for people that she told back then yes. to come forward and say, yes, she told me, right? Or yes, we had talked about this. So you have the neighbor, right? You have her mom who's dead. The Larry King call, right. Um, And people are comparing this up against the former aides that are saying they never heard a word of this in the office, right? So you kind of basically can look at it like this. The people with power are saying that didn't happen, never heard about it, don't know what you're talking about. And then you have Tara Reid who doesn't have the power and who told some people, it seems like, and some people are able to corroborate that, right? Yeah. Some people have remained anonymous, by the way. This neighbor has come out and she has done some media interviews, including talking to CNN. But which, which, by the way, I think is all valid to take into consideration. Anonymous voices versus people who are willing to put their name on the record. Right. That's a valid thing. Right. That's not to be taken lightly. Well, and this is what we're talking about when we say evaluating the evidence for the claim, right? Yes. And this is this is the kind of stuff that's valid to talk about, right? Is it corroborated by people? Contemporaneous corroboration, right? Does that exist? And and things like that are important and relevant, yeah, for right? Sure. To whether or not we accept the claim. So, and I, I want to go back because Mary in her email said that she's a firm believer of women, and so she has to accept what Tara Reid is saying is truth. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to address that because I've seen a lot of prominent feminist thinkers on Twitter having to defend themselves by saying that 
believe women never meant believe women without evidence. Yeah, well, then they need to pick a different fucking phrase to go with to run with on Twitter. Because believe women means believe women. And and I've seen them having to... I saw Kristen Powers do this. I saw... I don't know. She's probably not a prominent, prominent feminist thinker, but uh, other people you have... Mean, you mean the, the anti-abortion Kristen Powers? Is she anti-abortion? Pro-live. Is she really? Yeah. The, Alaska used to be Fox News. Now it's on CNN. Yeah, that's surprising to me. Are you sure? She found Jesus. 100%. Yeah, I know she loves Jesus, but I... 100%. Okay. I'm not... I don't... There's no doubt in my mind. Okay. Well, she's really gung-ho about everything that's happening right now and being attacked for being inconsistent in her approach to Brett Kavanaugh and Joe Biden. Hmm. And so she is defending herself against the use of Believe All Women. And I have seen other actually actual legitimate feminist thinkers you mean not defending Mel- themselves Alyssa Milano. as well. Um, <laughs> no, I mean not Kristen Powers, since you're challenging me on her being a oh, feminist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alyssa Milano is not defending herself. She's just saying she supports Joe Biden and that everyone needs to deal with that. But... And photos of her crying, holding the I Believe All Women uh, clipboard. Yeah. yeah, let's just ignore those. So, so, <laughs> so anyway, they're defending the claim as being historically women have been ripped to shreds when they try to come forward and speak their truth. And the intent of that phrase, according to prominent feminist thinkers, was to encourage society to give it a chance right at least give some credence and take it seriously enough to investigate the allegations which historically has not taken place you're right f- oh, absolutely i almost said 100% kathy yeah. uh, uh, uh you're right i agree and so i just want to clarify that because i think sometimes it's used as believe all women like period and sometimes it's used as believe women because historically they have been mistreated when they come forward with allegations and we should actually take them seriously and investigate it because it's serious. It's the problem with our Twitter, Facebook, fast food culture that we want everything boiled down to a quick, a quick little soundbite, just a slogan that we can go on and believe all women does not. It does not communicate the nuance of weighing evidence. It just doesn't, but we do need to do better as a society without a doubt unequivocally we need to do better of not contributing to victim shaming to not non-believing it sh- we shouldn't start from the position of i don't believe you unless you give me overwhelming evidence there better be overwhelming physical evidence that there was a rape even though that can't exist because this happened in 1993 mm-hmm. it, it just we need to be reasonable and rational about all this mm-hmm uh, thank you, Henry. Listen, we, we appreciate you very much. And uh, I feel for you. Uh, b- before we move on to the next call, I would like to say that, you know, let me be the guy who digitally knocks on your door to try to convince you to vote for Joe Biden over Donald Trump, to vote against Donald Trump. And I think that it is a an unreasonable request that you want someone to to do so to convince you to vote for Joe Biden without invoking Donald Trump, because Donald Trump is the train bearing down on you as you're tied to the fucking railroad tracks to try to say, well, don't, but don't tell me about the actual imminent threat to convince me the other way. There is an imminent threat and it is Donald Trump. So he must be invoked when trying to convince you. Anyway, we, we love you and appreciate you Uh, moving on to the next call. 
Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. Um, John from Columbus. It's been a minute since I've uh, reached out and talked to you and kind of fell behind on my podcast there, but the pandemic had helped that. So I'm now caught up to speed. Um, and I was just, you know, thinking, I was listening to your last episode a couple of days back and I was just thinking, you know, the Joe Biden thing. Um, and honestly, Jesse, I think you and I are in the same boat of just, you know, anything to get Donald Trump and corporate Republicans out is what we need to do. Um, but how the hell we got here is beyond me because, you know, it's, it's not hard to operate. It's, it's not hard. You know, it's like, oh, he's in politics. You know, you don't understand. It's blah, blah, blah. No, no, stop. It's, it's not hard to be a stand-up, genuine guy. It's not hard to be a nice, respectable man. It's not. And the fact that, you know, we've got two guys who can be my grandfather running for president is ridiculous. Um, you know, these guys don't know what it's like to be me. They don't know what it's like to live in a world that, you know, that the millennials are facing right now. They don't know. They don't understand. They don't get it. And, you know, I would love to say that I, I don't want to vote for president, but I want to and I have to and I'm going to because I want to get Donald Trump out. Um, you know, I love what you guys do as always and, you know, thank you for, you know, giving us these outlets and keeping us informed and allowing me to just listen to podcasts and not have to actually watch the news and get mad at Trump for all the Trumpness that he has. Um, <laughs> but as always, you know, as we know, Brittany's the best part. Jesse, you're pretty great too. And, uh, give Popeye a big old, big old rub and pat for me. Okay. Thanks. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. We will not give him peanut butter again, though. You know, as long no as more he, peanut butter. As long as he pipes down during the show. Yeah. And doesn't want to, like, why didn't you guys set me up a mic? I want to bark into the fucking microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, that reminded me of what I always say, which is... What we, is it that you always say? We need to elevate more people to positions of power. Oh, yeah, you do always say Who that. <laughs> know what it is like to... Struggle. struggle struggle to put gas yeah. in their car to have to call a bank and ask to have the overdraft fee removed yeah to I mean, raise your hand if you've done that over the course of the last two years to be stressing there's two out, hands raised in the room to be stressing out about how much money you have in your account before you run your debit card at the grocery store. Yeah. I mean, these are things that people need to understand. And it's part of why I love Katie Porter so much. Not only that she has gone through these things and has experienced struggles, but also that she's held on to those lessons and uses it to guide her. Right. I I believe she's a single mom of three kids. That's right. Yeah. And she is open about her own personal experiences as well. And I just, I love that so much. And I want more of that, you know, and Donald Trump and Joe Biden are both people of privilege. And we talk about 
politicians who use their early childhood experiences to indicate that, yes, they do understand struggle. But it is tough sometimes when you're so far removed from it. Yeah, Joe Biden hasn't struggled in really any way. I mean, other than personally with the death of his son and, you know, those kind of relationship issues. I feel like financially, that guy hasn't struggled to pay a bill in decades. And you would hope that, I mean, those experiences are so formative that they stay with people and inform their worldview for a long time. But when you run in the circles that they run in for as long as they've run in those circles. Yeah. You know, it kind of blurs the line there a little bit. Absolutely. Minimizes the role that those early formative experiences play. Yeah, we, We need somebody who can demonstrate... Not just say, oh, yeah, I am pathetic. We need somebody who can demonstrate it. And I'm not saying Joe Biden hasn't demonstrated it, but it should be paramount in our minds when we're going to the ballot box to vote for people like Katie Porter from California's 45th district. Right. And hopefully, you know, how everyone's feeling, right? People are calling in. They feel dejected. They are either not going to vote or they feel conflict unhappy with having to vote but they're still going to do it use those feelings to really motivate you to become more active and involved in politics local politics national politics all of it so that we can start making necessary changes so that we don't have to experience this again yeah without a doubt and it's going to take time right but it, it takes a lot of effort and time hopefully this is a catalyst for organization yeah for for rallies and not just like, oh, a Democrat got elected. Now I can sit back on my, on my laurels. Right. No, you need to fucking get out there and pressure these motherfuckers to do the right thing, even though they've been rewarded with the power that they sought. Push the needle. We need to push the envelope. We need to push the other metaphors that contain, continue <laughs> to explain my thoughts. <laughs> All right. Next call. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Marissa. Uh, gotta co- answer a couple questions you had from the last episode. First of all, um, yeah, I absolutely have to vote for Joe Biden because unfortunately, one of the two rapists in question have done everything they could to roll back rights for me and my community over the past four years. And with another four years, we'll likely be able to legislate us out of existence or at least out of being able to, uh, live as we are. And for people like me who have had surgery, uh, if they ban us from taking our hormones, uh, we'll, we'll die. So, you know, without hormones, you die. Uh, so unfortunately it is a matter of life and death for people like me. But to also answer your question, I, I work at a hotel and you're asking, uh, who's, who's staying at hotels right now. Um, there are people who still do have to travel for business. Uh, there are some people who work at other hotels who are staying there um, because they don't want to go home because of what they're exposed to. Although most hotel workers aren't still working right now. Like our staff has been reduced to eight total uh, because there's been no more than eight total rooms occupied since this whole thing started. And we're talking out of hundreds. So like a two or three percent occupancy rate. But um, some. One thing that some people are doing to take advantage of this is renting out two or three rooms and turning them into makeshift clubs. So uh. you know, they'll, they'll one person will rent a room and then they'll sneak a bunch of people in the side door and then, you know, turn up the music and make like a makeshift club. And, you know, when we catch it, we have to evict people because that's putting us in danger as well as themselves and also the police. And it's, 
uh, it's it's really difficult uh, to work in a hotel right now because you know all the coffee's gone, all the food is gone, uh, all the carpet, all the furniture, everything. It's it's like working in a completely different environment than it used to be. But um, those are the kind of people who are staying in hotels right now. So, uh, some people who don't want to go home to keep their family safe, some people who still have to travel for work, and then people who are taking advantage of a tragedy and cheap rates by uh, defying quarantine and stay-at-home orders. So thanks. Two very uncomfortable positions. I have to vote for a rapist to stay alive, and I have to be around people trying to violate quarantine because uh, staying at home is too hard. Thanks. Bye. This is an example of exactly what I'm talking about. Marissa, trans woman, fears for her her survival if Donald Trump is reelected. I would assume is torn up inside about the prospect of voting for someone who's been accused of this, and if they are indeed uh, guilty of it, it is it is it is not a black and white. Oh well, I can't vote for a rapist, even if it means the other rapist is going to lead the charge. On the, on the systematic oppression of popu- large populations of the United States. Forwarding policies worldwide that do damage in those same communities. Look beyond the, your own political lens. Look beyond how it's... Listen, let me say this. If Donald Trump is reelected... My life might even marketedly get better. I might make more money on YouTube and our podcast might grow even larger because we are ardent opponents of Donald Trump. I don't give a fuck about that. I care about what is best for the people of this country and this world. And you should too. Look beyond how it's going to affect you personally and think about groups that aren't involved, that, that aren't, that don't enjoy the same privilege that you do. And each of us in our own way has some semblance of privilege over someone else. Those are the questions we need to be asking. Those are the issues we need to be balancing against. What I think is an easy thing to say, well, look, I'm not going to vote for a rapist. Yeah, fuck. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to. Alleged. Alleged. I don't have we that. We need the, <laughs> we desperately, desperately need the allegedly drops. Yeah, well, I don't, I'm just saying if, if indeed it's true. Yes. If indeed it's true. Alleged. Yeah. Yep. It's not as easy as that. Anyway, Marissa, thank you for the call. I, we appreciate it very, very much. Uh, moving on. Hey, Jessington. Hey, Brittany. Um, sorry, this is Mark, uh, Oregon again. I know I just called in today, so I just listened to the most recent podcast and about Joe, Joe Biden. And, uh, I have much feelings about it. I can't make any assumptions without, uh, evidence. I, I choose to wait for the evidence. Now, we are up to one, which is important, and we should listen to her story. Um, but it's a very, uh, it's a very tricky situation, uh, that we're in, uh, right now. I don't think that we should 
uh, have to vote between one uh, sex pest uh, for another. But then again, I don't know at this point whether Joe Biden is a confirmed sex pest or not. We do know that uh, Sweet Potato Hitler has uh, basically quite a bit of accusations against him. And so it's just tricky. So, again, we're to the point of do we get kicked in the balls or punched in the face? Honestly, I'd rather be punched in the face <laughs> and take a little egg uh, from it uh, to get fucking the fucking idiot out of office. But that's just my take on it. I think we have to wait uh, for more evidence and to see what's going to come out. If the DNC uh, still supports them through it, then they have pretty much gone with the nuclear option. I love you guys, and Brittany is the best part, but you, Jesse, are the light of my day. Have a good day. Oh, love that's the show. nice. Brittany's the best part. The light of the day. That's very nice. Um, Got a religious connotations to that. Yes. <laughs> well, you do talk about God. God. So... I, yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. This is why we are happy that Joe Biden has said, I want an investigation into this, right? He sent a letter directing the Secretary of the Senate to search his records and try to locate... In the National Archive, not right. the D- University of Delaware documents. Yeah, Co- Correct. Um, to locate a sexual harassment complaint that, that Tara Reid made, right? That she says she made. and She claims she made it. Yes, but she, remember, she's saying that the report doesn't contain the word harassment or assault. So, yeah, um, but but that's that's good, right? That he is saying, OK, I'm calling for an investigation into this. Look through it. Well, do that. I, the way I'm kind of understanding it and we'll get to his denial, but it, it seems like he's 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 claiming there's not going to be anything. There's not going to be any right. any record found. Right. Right. And if there isn't any record found, we got to kind of reevaluate what we're thinking about, how we're thinking about this. So I think that it. it it is important to approach this and and look at the different variables, right? I will say something that came to mind for me while I was listening to the voice memo. Um, I know that when more women come out, it makes it easier for people to then say, oh, okay, this has to be legitimate. Right. But I just don't like think... Like in Donald Trump's case. Yeah, I just don't... Or Bill Cosby, whatever. Yeah, I, sure. I just... Or Harvey Weinstein. I mean, name names. Um... I just don't think it happens with other crimes, right? Like, yeah, if you get robbed, you know, well, how many robberies did that robber commit? You know, yeah, well, not, if, not how many times you hadn't been robbed before. I don't know. I don't know if it's true that you were robbed because you've only been robbed once. Well, that guy's a murderer. Well, how many people did he murder? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I, it, it just it seems a little odd to base it on the number, right? Yeah. And I understand why people do that, because it, it seems like, well, if someone does this, it has to be a pattern that they that they live their life behaving this way oftentimes, and doing these things. Oftentimes that is the case, but oftentimes right. it's not. It, well, yeah. And maybe maybe there's more out there and, and we just don't know. I mean, who who knows? Right. But I feel like focusing on the number isn't super relevant to whether or not it's true yeah. either, you yeah. know. Oh, again, I think that's p- kind of, and I still bristle at the, the the phrase the the phrase of of rape culture, 
but it, it kind of lends itself to how we uh, as a society have viewed rape allegations and rape claims and mm-hmm. rape victims. We've we've put them in a box where they have to defend themselves. Go above and beyond extra. what would normally be expected. Yeah, of they other, have to act, right. act extra mm-hmm. rather than if you if somebody broke into your garage and 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 stole your golf clubs. Right. Right. No one is second guessing you then, but if it's rape, oh well, what were you wearing? How much did you have to drink? Mm-hmm. Has this happened before? Were you coming on to them? I mean, this, because we live in a in a patriarchal society, and we do, we fucking do. We've never had a woman president or vice president. Even though women make up fifty two percent of the population, the vast majority of Congress is men. We do, we just do. Men make the rules. They shape and form how society thinks and views things. Now, we're slowly coming out of that, but that's all something to consider. All right. Thank you, Mark, for the voicemail. We appreciate it very much. And always, we appreciate the kind words. How's it going, guys? This is Tim. First time calling you guys. I'm calling about uh, the allegations against Joe Biden. I personally believe him. I can't say that I believe the allegations against Trump and then turn around and say someone who has more corroborations of their account is somehow lying that I do not believe their account. I will not be voting for Joe Biden. I wasn't going to be voting for Joe Biden before because I believe he's an immoral human being. And I just can't bring myself to vote for him. It's about people's, now the Democrats are asking people to sacrifice their morality to vote for this man. Which for me, then there's no point in not getting drunk again. Cause if that's what the country's gonna be, then that's what the country's gonna be. There's no playing with the devil saying that you're doing a good job. A good deed. Yeah. And the way that I see Me Too uh, feminists talking about the case against Joe Biden sounds awfully familiar with the uh, the supporters of Donald Trump and um, Brett Kavanaugh. Literally saying the exact same thing and it's a crazy world. Love you guys. Keep up the good work. See, this is a perfect example of two things can be true at the same time. All of all all, all of that thing, all of the things that Tim said are true. The Democratic Party is asking for if this is indeed true to make a morality call here. However, again, I will repeat. That the de- you, you ha- it's kind of a utilitarian argument here. You have to think about it. What damage will be done if Donald Trump is reelected? And what damage will be done if Joe Biden is reelected? Let's say they're both equal pieces of shit. One clearly will be more damaging to the nation for a longer period of time than the other. And that would be Donald Trump. And I don't know where Tim lives. 
If he lives in California, it doesn't really matter whether or not he's going to vote for Donald Trump because of our stupid electoral system. Because Joe Biden's going to win California. But to make a decision that is going to lead to a lot greater damage to our nation and the people who live here, I just I can't get behind that. It's not as easy as... Well, let me say this. The calculus shouldn't be that if Joe Biden is innocent of this, you, you're allowed to vote for him. But if he's guilty of this, you cannot vote for him. Because there's a lot of extraneous machinery in the background. There's other moving parts in the background that you should be considering. And that is the damage that Donald Trump will do. Anyway, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but it's I, I really truly believe it's very important that we do everything we can to stop Donald Trump from being reelected, even if that means voting for a possibly guilty Joe Biden. Well, and I also want to say that that Tim said, I, I can't say that I believe the allegations against Donald Trump and then turn around and say, I don't believe the allegations yeah. against Joe Biden. But I don't think that that's necessarily true, right? Because we're talking about evaluating the claims based on evidence. Now, if you're someone who's saying, Oh, well, I believe that the allegations against Donald Trump, but I don't believe the allegations, the allegation against Joe Biden because of a Putin blog. That's obviously evidence yeah. that she's conspiring with Russia to get Trump reelected. I don't believe her because, well, she waited a really long time to come forward this with this. And where was she in 1993? And I mean, if you're evaluating the claim, but it's actually based on the evidence, right? How many uh, contemporary contemporaneous corroborating witnesses have come forward? Um those types of things, yeah, yeah. then yeah, you, you, you can make that determination. How I heard that when he said it was, you, you, you repeated it the way he said it, but the way I heard it was, um, I can't evaluate the evidence, Donald Trump using these factors and then not evaluate the, the evidence against Joe Biden using those same factors. Hmm. That's kind of how I heard oh, okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And totally fair. Yeah, no, I mean, I, but I, I think I was reading between the lines. I, yeah. I don't know if that's what he meant, but. And I'm just like a robot no. hearing the. <laughs> 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 this is what you said. Oh, <laughs> that's me. That was for me. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you, Tim. Um, Tim actually sent us that we're going to talk about on the next episode a, a book and a DVD Very or nice. a Blu ray. We're going to talk about that at the top of the next episode. Thank you, Tim. I just want I want Tim to know. They're like, hey, but they didn't even fucking talk about the thing. So uh, we appreciate it. Moving on, um, we're going to get to the... That's the wrap-up. That's, uh, that's all the voicemails we got. Now we're going to play a, a few news packages like we normally do, one of which is the interview that, that Joe Biden did with Morning Joe, Mika Brzezinski, and uh, it's long. It's like, she, she did a great job. It's by like the way. 15 minutes long, and she really did hold his feet to the fire. She asked him the tough questions. They go through the University of Delaware document stuff. And I don't know whether we should stop and start this as it goes or just take notes as we go and then address some of the issues we have after it plays. I'm kind of leaning toward, I know when we first started the show, Brittany, I said we would stop and start, but. I think I want people to listen to it It's in its entirety. Yeah. And if you've already heard it, then you could skip ahead. It's about 15 minutes. But if you haven't, 
Listen to the whole thing. It is very important because when analyzing this, you want to be able to listen to someone, what they're saying, what their denial is like, what words they're using, what phraseology they're using. How are they avoiding the issue? How are they not answering questions directly? There's all kinds of elements that you need to be able to to make a decision about. So here it is. Uh, two days ago, Joe Biden with Mika Brzezinski on Morning Joe. But at the start, it's just going to be you and me. And I want to get right to the allegation made against you by Tara Reid. So the former Senate aide accuses you of sexual assault. And please, uh, to our viewers, please excuse the graphic nature of this. But I want to make sure that there is no question as to what we're talking about She says in 1993, Mr. Vice President, that you pinned her against the wall and reached under her clothing and penetrated her with your fingers. Would you please go on the record with the American people? Did you sexually assault Tara Reid? No, it is not true. I'm saying unequivocally, it never, never happened. And it didn't. It never happened. Do you remember her? Do you remember any any types of complaints that she might have made? I don't remember any type of complaint she <clears throat> may have made. It was 27 years ago. And uh, I don't remember, nor does anyone else that I'm aware of. And uh, the fact is that I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember any complaint ever having been made. Have you or your campaign, have you reached out to her? No, I have not reached out to her. It's 27 years ago. This never happened. And uh, when she first made the claim, we made it clear that it never happened. And uh, that's as simple as that. In the past 30 minutes or so, you released a statement on Medium. And among other things, you, you, you write this. There's only one place a complaint of this kind could be. The National Archives. I am requesting that the Secretary of State ask of uh, the Senate ask the archives to identify any record of the complaint she alleges she filed. If there was any such complaint, the record will be there. Are you preparing us for a complaint that might be revealed in some way? Are you confident there is nothing? I'm confident there's nothing. No one ever brought it to the attention of me 27 years ago. This is any assertion at all. No one that I'm aware of in my campaign, at, excuse my, my Senate office at the time, is aware of any such uh, request and, uh, uh, or any such complaint. Uh, and, uh, and so the, I, 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 I'm not worried about it at all. If there is a complaint, that's where it would be. That's where it would be filed. And if it's there, put it out. But I've never seen it. No one has that I'm aware the, of. The New York Times has investigated this exhaustively. They didn't find uh, any of your former staff members were able to corroborate the details of this allegation. She did file a police report uh, a few weeks ago with the D.C. police. Um, but since you want to set the record straight, um, why limit this only to Tara Reid? Why not release any complaints that it may had been made against you during your Senate career? I'm prepared to do that. There, the best of my knowledge, there's been no complaints made against me in terms of my Senate career, in terms of my office and anything that's been run. Look, this is an open book. There's nothing for me to hide. Nothing at all. 
You were unequivocal, uh, Mr. Vice President, back in 2018 during the Kavanaugh controversy and hearings. And um, you said that women should be believed. You said this, for a woman to come forward in the glaring lights of focus nationally, you've got to start off with the presumption that at least the essence of what she is talking about is real. Whether or not she forgets the facts, whether or not it's been made worse or better over time. She's going to be going on national television on Sunday. Tara Reid is coming forward in the glaring lights. To use your words, should we not start off with the presumption that the essence of what she's talking about is real? She says you sexually assaulted her. Look, from the very beginning, I've said believing women means taking the woman's claim seriously when she steps forward and, and then vet it, look into it. This, this, that, that's true in this case as well. Women have a right to be heard and the, and the press should rigorously investigate claims they make. I always uphold that principle. But in the end, in every case, the truth is what matters. And in this case, the truth is the claims are false. Is it possible these claims are held in an NDA? Do you have any NDAs that have been signed by women who were employed by you? I have, there is no NDA sign, and no, no one's ever signed. I've never asked anybody to sign an NDA. There are no NDAs, period, in my case. None. Your Senate documents at the University of Delaware were supposed to go public, and then they were resealed. The access was changed. I know that you're saying any HR complaints could be in the National Archives, but why not reveal your Senate documents that are uh, being held in Delaware? I know there's 1,800-plus boxes, um, but if, if, if she believes and she alleges that the complaints may be hidden there, why not strive for complete transparency? Why was the access to those documents sealed up when they were supposed to be revealed? Well, they weren't supposed to be revealed. I gave them the university. The university said it's going to take them time to go through all the boxes. They said it wouldn't be, and that wouldn't be before 2020 that that occurred, or 2021. I can't remember the year they said. But look, a record like this can only be one place. It would be at the. It would not be at the University of Delaware. My archives do not contain personal files. My archives contain document. And I say, when I say personal, personnel files. They don't contain any personnel files. They are public records. My speeches, my papers, my position papers. And mm -hmm. if that document existed, it would be stored in the National Archives, where documents from the office she claims to have filed her complaint with are stored. That's where those, they are stored. The Senate controls those archives. So I'm asking the Secretary of the Senate today to identify whether any such document exists. If it does, make it public. Right. But there are claims and concerns and um, reports in Business Insider. And she claims that possibly a complaint or some sort of record of this might be at the University of Delaware. So for complete transparency, uh, why not push for the release of any documents with Tara Reid's name on them, whether it's at the University of Delaware or the National Archives? First of all, let's get this straight. 
There, is, there are no personnel documents. I mean, you can't do that. You wouldn't, for example, if you worked with me or I worked for you and you had my, my income tax returns, you had my well, whatever. They're, they're private documents. They're not for the, they, don't, they don't get put out in the public. So they're not part of the public record that, in fact, is uh, that any senator or vice president or president has in their documents. If, Look, there was one place that she could file the complaint and the plaint and that office at the time was all those records from that office are in the archives and they're controlled by the Senate. That's where personnel documents would be if they exist. That's where the complaint would be if it exists. Given the fact that you have said in the past that if a woman goes under the lights and talks about something like this, we have to consider that the essence of this is real. Is the essence of what she is saying is real? Why do you think she's doing this? I'm not going to question her motive. I'm not going to get into that at all. I don't know why she's saying this. I don't know why after 27 years, all of a sudden this gets raised. I don't understand it. But I'm not going to go in and question her motive. I'm not going to attack her. She has a right to say whatever she wants to say. But I have a right to say, look at the facts. Check it out. Find out whether any of the, what she says is asserted or true. And based on the investigations that have taken place so far, to the best of my knowledge, by two major papers, they interviewed dozens of my staff members, not just senior staff, but staff members, I'm told. At least that's what they said. And... Yes. Nobody. This was not the atmosphere in my office at all. No one has ever said anything like this. But, Mr. Vice President, as it pertained to Dr. Ford, everyone wanted on high level Democrats said she should be believed that they believed it happened. You said if someone like Dr. Ford were to come out, the essence of what she is saying has to be believed, has to be real. No. Why? And no, what I said, it has Why to be. Why is it real for Dr. Ford, but not for Tara Reid? Because the facts are that, look, she, I'm not suggesting she had no right to come forward. And I never, and I'm not saying any woman, they should come forward. They should be heard. And then it should be investigated. It should be investigated. And if there's anything that makes it that is consistent with what's being said and she makes the case or the case is made, then it should be believed. But ultimately, the truth matters. The truth matters. It's period. I fought my entire life to change, to change the whole notion of the law and the cultural sexual uh, around the culture on sexual assault. And I fought to strengthen and protect the process for survivors. I believe it would come a long way and we have a long way to go in this system before we, in fact, are in a position that there's a fair and unbiased view. But at the end of the day, it has to be looked at. These claims are not true. There's no cooperation. I mean, they're not true. Mr. Vice President, I don't know what else I can uh, say to you. Well, uh, I'm going to try and ask many different ways. Uh, Stacey Abrams uh, said during the Kavanaugh hearings, I believe women, I believe survivors of assault should be supported and the voice is heard. Kirsten Gillibrand tweeted, do we believe women? Do we give them the opportunity to tell their story? We must be a country that says yes every time. They now both support you. Nancy Pelosi falls into this category, too, as well as many other leaders in the Democratic Party. Are women to be believed... Are women to be believed unless it pertains to you? <laughs> Look, 
Women are to be believed, given the benefit of the doubt, if they come forward and say something that is that they said happened to them, they should start off with the presumption they're telling the truth. Then you have to look at the circumstances and the facts. And the facts in this case do not exist. They never happened. And there's so many inconsistencies in what has been said in this case. So, yes, look at the facts. And I assure you, it did not happen. Period. Period. But why is it different now? Do you regret what you said during the Kavanaugh hearings? What I said during the Kavanaugh hearings was that she had a right to be heard. And the fact that she came forward, the presumption would be she's telling the truth unless it's proved she wasn't telling the truth. Or not proved unless it's clear for the facts surrounding it. It's not the truth. As we look, uh, this is a very I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. No, no, that's as we await for the records from the National Archives. Are you absolutely certain? Are you absolutely positive there is no record of any complaint by Tara Reid against you? I am absolutely positive that no one that I'm aware of ever has been made aware of any complaint, a formal complaint made by or a complaint by Tara Reid against me at the time this allegedly happened 27 years ago or until the, I announced for Pre- well, it was I guess it was in April or May of this year. I know of no one who's aware that any complaint was made. I've got two more Nor questions. Has the first. Okay, please go ahead. The first is no, no, about your University of Delaware records. Do you agree with the reporting that those records were supposed to be revealed to the public and then they were resealed for a longer period of time until after you leave, quote, public life? And if you agree with that, if that's what happened, why did that happen? Because, look, the fact is that there's a lot of things that of speeches I've made, positions I've taken, interviews that, that, that I did overseas with people, all of those things relating to my job. And the idea that they would all be made public in the fact while I was running for public office, they could be really taken out of context. The papers are position papers. They are documents that existed. And, and uh, that that when I, for example, when I go, when I met with Putin or when I met with whomever and all of that to be fodder in a campaign at mm-hmm. this time, I don't know of anybody who's done anything like that. And so the National Archives is the only place there would be anything having to do with personnel records. There are no personnel records in the Biden papers mm-hmm. at the university. So uh, personnel records aside, are you certain there was nothing about Tara Reid in those records? And if so, I am absolutely certain. Why not? Why not approve a search of her name in those records? Approve a search of her name. Yes. And reveal uh, anything not- that might be related to Tara Reid in the University of Delaware records. There is nothing. They wouldn't. They're, they're not there. And if they, if it's, I, 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 you know, I don't understand what you're, the point you're trying to make. The point there I'm are trying no to make personnel is records by are, definition. 
The point I'm trying to make is that you are approving and actually calling for a search of the National Archives records of uh, yes. anything pertaining to Tara Reid. I'm asking why not do the same in the University of Delaware records, which have raised questions because they were supposed to be re revealed to the public and then they were sealed for a longer period of time. Why not do it for both sets of records? Because the material in the University of Delaware has no personnel files and it has, but it does have a lot of confidential conversations that I had with the president about a particular issue that I had with the heads of state of other places, that that would not be something that would be revealed while I was in public office or while I was seeking public office. It just stands the reason, the best of my knowledge, no one else has done that either. I'm, I'm just talking about her name, not anybody else in those records, a search for that. Nothing classified with the president or anybody else. I'm just asking why not do a search for Tara Reid's name in the University of Delaware records? Look, I mean, who, who, who does that search? The University of Delaware, uh, perhaps you set up a commission that can do it. I don't know. Whatever is the fairest way to create the most transparency. Well, this is, look, Mika, she said she filed a report. She has her employment records still. She said she refiled a report with the only office that would have a report in the United States Senate at the time. If the report was ever filed, it was filed there, period. If you could speak directly to Tara Reid about her claims or anything, what would you say? I would, this never, ever happened. I don't know what is motivating her. I don't know what, I don't know what's behind any of it, but it's irrelevant. It never happened. It never happened. Period. I'm not going to start questioning her, 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 her motive. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to start. I'm not going to go after Tara Reid for saying these things. It's simple. What are the facts? Do any of the things she said, do they add up? It never happened. Mr. Vice President, stay with us. Uh, we're going to take a one-minute break, um, and then Joe and Willie will join with questions on other news of the day. We're back uh, with the former Vice President Joe Biden in one minute. So we've brought up the report a few times, and I just want to I, I want to clarify it a little bit. So according to Tara Reid, she doesn't have a copy of the report. Yeah, and which is understandable. But 27 years later, you wouldn't have a copy. Right. She is um, suggesting that even if the report surfaces, it's not going to corroborate her assault allegations because she didn't detail them in the report at the time. And she said that she has filed an intake form, is what she called it, at the Senate Personnel Office, which included her contact information, the office she worked for, and some broad details of her issues with Biden. So... Jesse, you've said, I think, at least twice on this episode that if the report is not found, and I can't remember the phrase that you keep using, but you, you basically are saying like... It'll be a chink in, it's going to be a chink in the armor of this case. That's the phrase that you use. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that that's true. Hmm. Why not? Well, 
I guess it's going to be in the way that she says that she remembers filing a report and then nothing is found. That's that's certainly going to be an inconsistency in the story. Yeah. But she herself is saying that that it wouldn't corroborate the claim. No, 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 no. L- l- let me make clear. I'm saying that if nothing, no report at all is found that she filed, that's a problem. I'm not saying if there, there's not a report found that she uh, detailed these types of allegations or even harassment or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm saying if they find nothing, that's a problem. Do you think it would be a problem if they don't search the University of Delaware files as well? Yes. Okay. That's a big problem. In fact, it's the it's the crux of all the notes I just wrote down. Mm-hmm. One, let me say this. Saying period didn't happen, period, period. That doesn't make your case any stronger there, Joe. But w- when she specifically asks, why won't you allow a search of those documents? He goes, well, the reason I won't allow a search of those documents is because there's nothing there. Again, we're just supposed to take your word for it. And they don't... Listen, there's nothing... When he used the word confidential, he's doing that on purpose. Because it's almost as though they're classified documents in there. There are no classified documents under the the, the custody of the University of Delaware. There's just not. Any documents that he he turned over to the University of Delaware have been vetted through our intelligence infrastructure to not contain sensitive classified material. If he means confidential, like I had a conversation with someone that was personal and private, then why did you turn it over if it's not worth um, becoming public? Because they were scheduled to become public. Right. Well, and that's what I think he means, because he actually talked about it being used as fodder in the campaign. So right, yeah, uh, he said, well, these are speeches. These are positions. These are interviews, which what he means is it's what I have believed or believe now. So it's his record. So it could open, so him, up to, it could open him up to criticism in the campaign. Yeah, sure. That's what it sounded like to me. But it also could exonerate him. Mm-hmm. If they're listen, it doesn't it's not like they're going to go and dump these, give these all to CNN. The, the Democratic National Committee could create a commission of people that are non-biased, not politically motivated, a, a panel of individuals who have to determine what and what not will be revealed. Mm-hmm. And if there is no reference whatsoever to Tara Reid, then we find out nothing. Then none of the documents make the light of day. But if there is, that those particular pertinent documents to the issue that we're seeking information on, we need to know that. Yeah. And for him to keep this hidden, it all it does is raise red flags in minds all over the country. Yeah, I saw a lot of the reaction to this. Uh, people started tweeting about E. Jean Carroll say, saying that she has a, a specimen that she wants tested. And does the media want to address that? And does the media want to talk about the 40 plus women that have accused Trump? And I I hear people on that, right? Uh, the media certainly did a terrible job last election cycle where it relates to elevating Donald Trump and not putting him under the microscope, not giving him enough yeah, scrutiny. Sure. I will say that we talked about Donald Trump's record with women at length um, extensively. Early on. Early on. Yeah. And... We want to do the same here because it's important. Now, very, very important. Repeatedly at the same time, we've also talked about the importance of voting blue 
because of the negative ramifications on the country and for vulnerable populations if Donald Trump is reelected. So I, I just want to make sure that people are understanding the nuance here because based on some reactions that we received last time, the nuance was lost. Well, let me also say this, that I don't want to let Joe Biden get away with saying I fought my entire life, my whole career for these women's issues. Yeah, well, why don't you go, anybody who wants to go see how Donald, uh, how uh, Joe Biden treated these, go back and rewatch the the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings and how he treated Anita Hill. Go back and see that. See how open he was two years prior to when these allegations supposedly happened, how he was treating a woman who was coming forward with valid, legitimate, very real, true stories about a man harassing uh, her. Joe Biden's record doesn't stand up the way he thinks it does. That's not, this is not to say he did what he, what is alleged. But for him to sit there with Mika Brzezinski and say something like that, come on, Joe. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just important for people to be able to grapple with the reality, right? And you shouldn't have to fool yourself into believing he's a saint in order to support him. Absolutely like, not. Like that should not be the expectation that you have of yourself. Um, and I think that's what's starting to happen. And listen, when, if, if Joe Biden is elected in November, you're going to see us being critical of a democratic administration, right? This is not going to turn into a show where we just praise everything that's happening. I mean, there's still going to be issues to talk about. For sure. And I just want people to be prepared for that. I know I'm kind of talking about this at length, but it's an important point, right? We need to be able to have these conversations and do so in a respectful, honest, open way, because that's how we keep improving, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to go back to something, though, Brittany, because we've been talking about the fact that Tara or Tara, however you say her name, Reed, is now claiming that, well, you know, they're going to find this. If they find this um, complaint that I made, that I lodged, that I actually went through and did the formal process, that it's not going to say sexual harassment, she's now saying. Former vice president and Democratic candidate for president Joe Biden continues to face an allegation of sexual assault from Tara Reid, who worked for him 27 years ago in Biden's Senate office. Biden denied the allegations in television interviews over the past two days. Yesterday, the Associated Press published a story focused on Reid's recollection of a written report she says exists but does not possess. Alexandra Jaffe, one of the authors of that piece, joins us now from Washington, D.C. with the latest on this still-developing story. A lot's happened since Joe Biden first publicly spoke about Reid's allegation and your AP report interviewing Reid. Since then, Reid has said some of the reporting in your uh, interview isn't wholly accurate. Give us a quick TikTok of everything that's happened since your interview came out. Sure. When I spoke with her, I tried to get sort of her to clarify whether she filed a full report and what the report said. And she told me that she filed only an intake form. So she basically just filled out a form with some basic information about herself in her office. And within that intake form, she did not use the words sexual harassment or assault. She said that she described an incident in which she was asked to serve drinks at a fundraiser because Joe Biden liked her legs and the retaliation that she experienced after that. But she repeatedly told me that she was too 
scared to use the words sexual harassment and was not that specific. Uh, in the sort of days since we spoke, she's gotten a lot of backlash. A number of Biden supporters have suggested that that sort of shift in the story or clarification raises further doubts about the veracity of her claims. And so I think she's been trying to sort of clarify what she told me on Friday, but she has not necessarily walked back from the fact that she has, didn't use the word sexual harassment or assault. Yeah, that's something that she is sticking to at the moment. And this isn't the first time that APs interviewed her. You also spoke to her back in 2019. Why is this the first time we're hearing about those interviews? The April of 2019 interviews were conducted by two reporters, one of whom was part of our investigative team trying to vet these claims back when Tara first came forward and alleged that Joe Biden sexually harassed her. That was before she she came forward with the allegation of assault. Uh, and we didn't end up publishing uh, a story on sort of that exhaustive vetting process because we simply could not corroborate her claims. The reporter that conducted those interviews uh, then spoke with over nearly two dozen former Biden staffers, none of whom sort of could corroborate these claims, none of whom remembered this happening. And Tara Reid herself could not bring forward enough sort of evidence to, to support her claims. So we decided not to publish it. And what about now? Have you found anyone further that will corroborate these stories? I can tell you, I've spoken with two people who spoke to me anonymously out of concern for their family, one of whom said that Tara uh, expressed to her uh, about a decade after the incident that she was sexually harassed by her boss in Washington. Uh, another woman told me that Tara did indeed tell her at the time that she was sexually assaulted by her boss in Washington. Um, but those were sort of anonymous sources and without any written sort of proof, it's tough to say. What's coming out of the Biden camp? What are you hearing from them? And what about those uh, records from the University of Delaware? Will we see them anytime soon? I think that this has brought renewed focus on Joe Biden's papers, which remain sort of uh, locked away at University of Delaware. He has refused to call for them to be released. The university has said they're not going to release them until two years after Joe Biden uh, exits public life. In speaking with the Biden campaign, you know, they're not weighing in on this. And that's been their sort of protocol with dealing with the Tara Reid allegations. They've large, largely left it up to the media to vet her claims and to report on what she's saying. And they're staying quiet and letting sort of the vice president's comments on Friday speak for themselves. So tell me, how are Republicans in the Trump administration responding to all of the noise that's going on about this story? Republicans have seized on this as evidence that both Democrats and the media are treating this with hypocrisy, that they have not gone after Joe Biden in the same way that they uh, went after, you know, Brett Kavanaugh when he was accused of sexual assault. I think that that sort of line of attack is going to continue because it gets at two major arguments for Republicans. One, that Democrats aren't consistent on this question of character. That's a central sort of focus and argument for Joe Biden, that he has a stronger character than Donald Trump. And two, uh, Republicans frequently raise doubts about the media and questions about the media's coverage. And this really gets at that question as well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. There are reports also that Donald Trump has privately expressed that he doesn't believe the allegation and that it doesn't fit with who Joe Biden is, but that he is going to be using it. Yeah. Lindsey Graham has come out and said, look, I've known this guy for this many years and no way I believe this. But then, you know, they didn't believe Christine Blasey Ford either. Neither one of those dick faces. Yeah. So... We, we wanted to play that just to give the additional context because there there were new developments that came out. And um, I I want to talk about Chris Hayes because... Please. 
like we talked about earlier in the show. Hashtag fire Chris Hayes. Was that about 12 hours ago when we talked about that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You the mean show, how long the, the show, show has is? been 12 hours long? Yeah, right? yeah, it's a 45 hour show. So <laughs> it's a marathon, everybody. <laughs> um, Chris Hayes, the fire Chris Hayes hashtag. I mean, it honestly reminds me of how um, Fox News viewers responded to Shepard Smith. Yeah. Whenever Shepard Smith would report on something that wasn't favorable for Donald Trump um, or that went against conservative values or opinions yeah if it didn't if it went against the orthodoxy of the administration then they need he needed to be fired right and really we need to take a hard look at ourselves because political polarization is such a strong force it interferes in our ability tribalism to think critically and to be reasonable and to weigh evidence right and we want to be very mindful of how our political bias is informing our worldview and not allowing us to have important conversations yeah yeah and chris hayes speaks to this in a really powerful way this morning the former vice president and apparent democratic nominee joe biden appeared here on msnbc on morning joe where for the first time he responded to a sexual assault allegation made by a former senate staffer named tara reed would you please go on the record with the american people Did you sexually assault Tara Reid? No, it is not true. I'm saying unequivocally, it never, never happened. And it didn't. It never happened. We covered this story earlier this week, a few days ago. Joe Biden had not addressed these allegations today. As you saw, he did. It was his first time directly responding to them on the record. A lot of people were unhappy with the fact that we even covered the story, which is why you may have seen the hashtag Fire Chris Hayes trending on, trending on Twitter most of the day yesterday. Needless to say, I received a lot of feedback about the segment we did, which basically fell into three categories. The first category were people who basically said, I don't believe Tara Reid, uh, Tara Reid, I believe Joe Biden, based on their assessment of the actual verifiable facts of the story, such that we have them. And they pointed out, as we did when we covered this the other day, that her story has changed quite considerably. A year ago, she told a California newspaper that in 1993, Joe Biden touched her several times, making her feel uncomfortable. And then back in March, she made a much more serious allegation, claiming that in 1993, then-Senator Biden sexually assaulted her, penetrating her with his fingers under her skirt. Biden denies that accusation, as you saw, uh, specifically responded today. Tara Reid also claims that she complained to three other people who worked in Biden's Senate office at the time when she was there about harassment, not assault. And then all three Biden staffers who've been contacted by reporters, they all say no such complaint was made. Biden's then executive assistant was vehement in her denial, quote, I never once witnessed or heard of or received any reports of inappropriate conduct, period. Not from Ms. Reed, not from anyone. I have absolutely no knowledge or memory of Ms. Reed's accounting of events, which would have left a searing impression on me as a woman professional and as a manager. So the people that fall into category one say that the weight of those three people, those three staffers, plus Joe Biden, long record in public life, against what Tara Reid says about what happened at the time, leads them to conclude that she is not telling the truth. Now, the second set of responses I got was from people who fall into the I don't care category. Some of that even use the phrase, we're in the midst of a national nightmare, the worst disaster in generations, and we just need to get rid of Donald Trump. Now, that is not the way that I think about analyzing this particular story, but it's an honest expression of how some people view the trade-offs and the stakes here. And then the third category, which I got a lot of, was the one that was the most disquieting to me, which is a whole lot of people pointing to various aspects of Reed's character or her writings or her politics 
as a kind of proof that she's not credible, that she's making it up. Oh, she didn't report this sooner. Or she said nice things about Joe Biden, her former voice boss at one point. So how could he have assaulted her? Or she supported candidate Bernie Sanders. So clearly this was just a political hit job. Or she said things that people find strange on social media and on and on. Much of it adding up to, you just can't trust this woman. Now, these are the kinds of things that have been used forever against women making these types of allegations. To me, the lesson of the Me Too movement is not that you believe every single allegation. Of course not. No, the lesson is to take accusations seriously, to swiftly investigate the facts surrounding them as best as one can, while leaving aside the worst age-old instincts to drag the women who make those claims through the mud. Pretty important stuff. Well said. Yes, well said. Uh, Mic drop. Wait, 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 wait. Hashtag fire Chris Hayes! Fuck that guy! (laughs) No! Yeah. Come on. And and I think a lot of it comes from fear, right? People are afraid that Donald Trump's going to get reelected. But again, sure. that doesn't mean that we cast aside reality and yeah. and tell ourselves things that comfort us to make it easier. We need to grapple with, with this. We need to grapple with things that make us uncomfortable. And it's not easy to come here and do this. I was regret. I was not regretting. Uh, not. No. Not looking forward to it. Yes, yeah, not yeah, looking yeah. forward to this, but I feel like it went well. And I think it went as well as it could have could have gone. Yeah, and it went as well as it could have went. Yeah, I'm hopeful that <laughs> that. <Yee-haw! laughs> That's very appropriate. I'm hopeful that people will, even if they're pissed off, take the time to give us heartfelt feedback. Right. Well, just just not just tell us to fuck off, but also like if you you've listened to the show for any time, you know that we're both empathetic, loving people. We're not. We want what's best, and if you believe that, then then take what we're saying at face value. Give us the 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 fairness and charity in our arguments that you would want for yourself, and let's talk about this. Even if you disagree, what I'd love to hear, what I'd really love to hear. Is someone pushed back against the army arguments that I'm making about voting against Donald Trump, even if this is true about Joe Biden? Like Henry, I'd like somebody to convince me not to vote for Joe Biden in the face of the absolute existential threats that Donald Trump poses to our republic. We would like to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a vo- voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtitatdollamore.com. Thank you for all of the time that you spend listening to us uh, throughout the week, especially on an episode like this that is so so momentous, that's so important and so long, for that matter. Um, I guess we'll see you next time, everybody. We love you. We appreciate you. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been... I doubt.